0: We play and call it work. Pretty as Nick though, so he always. Nick's a pretty boy. Uh, <laughs> he's a pretty g- guy. He's a, you know, it's funny. There's boy, guy, and man. And I see us as guys. And to me, a man is like my dad. If that makes <laughs> sense, you know, like and a boy is my son. And I feel like yeah. a, I feel like a dude. I feel like a guy. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm a man. You're a man. We are men. But I just feel like men are older than me mm,
1: that's true
0: yeah if that yeah. makes do men, do men
1: play toy soldiers i don't know <laughs> guys do guys definitely do
0: absolutely <laughs> uh, so let's uh let's jump right in uh mini wargamer dave here from mini wargaming.com welcome wargamers to the shrine of chaos today my special guest is jim vessel he is a tournament player he is uh, known throughout the competitive community for a player who knows no bounds when it comes to playing chaos Space range I'm just throwing that in there I, I I'm excited that you play chaos i I want to talk to you about the new chaos stuff and what ninth edition means for that mm-hmm. uh, and, and I thought it would be interesting to get a t- tournament player competitive player perspective on that me not being uh, any of those things never <laughs> never having uh actually participated in a tournament proper uh, I, I'm just a I'm your beer and pretzels kind of player I'm a casual yeah player. Uh, and I represent the 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 guys that, that play not at the same level by any means mm-hmm. that, that you play at. Um, there's actually a very small percentage of, of the players that uh, play at the level that you play at, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's very neat seeing that, uh, and I just wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, so is there anything, first and foremost, about the new... Ninth edition main rules that have changed that you just that stick out automatically that you think will be huge changes. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I think obviously the biggest change is is, is um, army creation. So army creation, I think yeah. you know ninth, you know, eighth edition was really about maximizing detachments, maximizing mixing and matching as, as uh, to maximize the amount of different you know rules you could kind of fit in, like trying to get stratagems from three different books. Yeah. was. Was like key, and that was one of the things that made those really good lists. Getting a lot um, of command
0: points, the kind of command point farming almost.
1: Yeah, so I yeah. think I think I think the the changes to army creation, especially with the detachment rules, not only has an effect on the way that we build armies, but also it changes which armies are good. So it kind of has sure. like a double effect on the meta. Yeah. Because now we're seeing a lot of the armies that struggled with command points really going to be powerhouses. So custodes, gray knights, death guard, some of these armies that really struggled to to put together um, lists. Yeah. Um, I think that we're going to see some really, really gross lists come out of there. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I have mixed feelings about it, being a Chaos player that basically collected Death Guard, Thousand Sons, Demons, Chaos Knights, Chaos Space Marines, and enjoyed mixing and matching all those different books yeah. um, uh, together to create, like, really fun armies. And, you know, my, my army is all very like themed together so i'm gonna you know a little bit sad that i won't be able to kind of do that as much um so i'm ho- I'm hoping that with the faq and, and hopefully there are some some changes that will allow me to still incorporate some of those kind of chaotic elements because i i definitely feel like of all the different factions chaos is the one that feels the best when you do that kind of mix and match like yeah. chaos base with demons and like beastmen and like chaos knights that's such a like iconic thing and it's something that you definitely like read about it's not it's not it's not that often where it's just demons or it's just right. chaos based marines they always have those kind of like demonic allies and stuff like that so yeah. i'm really hoping there is a little bit of um room in there for that kind of mix and match because i missed the old old like like i see i used to be a big fantasy player and the first chaos chaos book i had was demons beastmen and warriors all in one book yeah but i kind of missed that like uh That dynamic, I guess, that kind of chaotic mix.
0: It is lore appropriate uh, Mm -hmm. to have all. Ironically enough, it's lore appropriate. Whereas uh, you know, you see it in a tournament, and you kind of come to expect stuff like that, and it feels like a tournament list. But ironically, ironically, it is closer to the lore than just just typical single army armies that you would see.
1: Yeah, and I guess you could say the same about the uh, Imperium and stuff. But true, um, that's true. Like, I definitely feel like chaos has always been portrayed as like. You know, there's that sneaky little demon in the background whispering to the Chaos Lord, and uh, he he needs a few thousand sacrifices before he's going to show up with his forces. So, right. um, I always enjoyed that.
0: Prove your worth first, then we'll reinforce. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Uh, so, Death Card, Death Card. That's an interesting one because uh, you know, with the command point thing, it, it, they they have a boost there. I found I found that with them, they were already tough and resilient, but they feel like mm-hmm. they're even more tough even more resilient now would you say that's accurate
1: yeah i think i mean so they have kind of they've gotten two boosts so first is obviously the army the changes to the army composition so now you know death guard troops uh, they don't have a ton of characters generally so if you're playing pure death guard to, to do like multiple battalions um you know you're you're sometimes picking characters that aren't great like even their um like their lord of contagions they don't have the traditional chaos buffs Um, So they're getting a boost in the sense that like they don't have to take as much tax. Plague Marines are not cheap um, And Foxwalkers are not amazing and then on the other side. They got that great psychic awakening I think they got like 27 stratagems between the the core ones plus the like chapter um, Legion specific ones. Yeah, Um, so I think they're kind of getting that double boost Mm -hmm. Um, the real test will be to see uh, when the grand tournament book drops and kind of seeing how the points shake out because I think you know, if we see huge increases in the demons, demon engines and like Plague Marines and stuff, um, I mean, it could end up kind of canceling a lot of those gains. But if they take modest increases relative to everything else, I think, you know, I think they're going to be a big, um, I think they're going to be a big player in ninth, especially given the new mission structure and really how it's based around resiliency and holding the midboard, which I think Death Guard are excellent at. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to kind of, I, I bought actually, uh, I tracked down those like limited edition Japanese Death Guard models I paid way too much money for them, but I just the models are just amazing and I was like super excited to to paint them. So I uh I think I paid like 110 bucks Canadian for the the paint kit with the sorcerer. Yeah. So it works out actually okay because it comes with like eight paints plus a brush, so it ends up being about 60 bucks for like a single sorcerer model, which is pretty pretty pricey for like a single character, but it's such a cool model, so I'm very excited to paint those up.
0: I I don't disagree. They're very they're very good looking. Uh, mm-hmm. on the battlefield uh, so I'm going to tell you about a couple games that I played recently uh, using Ninth edition rules uh, in the army compositions that I used and it's it's all, in my mind it's all experimental at the stage mm-hmm. it's like a, on paper you think something would look good and it, it's fun to try it out and then in practical application of it, it's uh, I find that because of the secondaries you are pleasantly surprised how good or bad some things actually turn out to be uh, and I think GW has done a good job at uh GW and the playtesters like the community as a whole uh, Mm -hmm. they've done really a a very good job at balancing that aspect of the game and not having like you know before you could see two armies and just by looking at the armies you could be like oh yeah okay that that army is definitely going to win it's a clear winner why even do it Uh, whereas now because of the secondaries I find that it's like, oh, okay, if you're bringing that kind of army, then I'm going to focus on these secondaries and they're going to help me score yeah. points. And so I think from the get-go, that's really good. And the missions themselves are... you, It's not an automatic, okay, if I go first I win. It's Sometimes it's better to go second. You get the advantages of both going first and right. going second for different reasons. Also depending on the secondaries that you get because some are progressive and some are end of game. Uh, which I love. Right, I, I love those games. that go back and forth, really close, and you, uh, whoever the winner is, no matter who wins, you've had fun because it was a good fight along the way. That's my preferred play style. Uh, I'm not sure how it is in the competitive scene. If it's uh if that is the preferred game or the, uh, I I'm I'm beating you there for him. I, I don't know. What,
1: what yeah, happened? I mean, I think uh, I mean for me, definitely the best competitive games i've ever had have been the ones that are the closest closest, so i never i never uh you know i've played games where it's like a blowout when before even the first dice is rolled you know how the game's gonna end you know that's that's obviously if you're you know all you care about is winning a tournament yeah i mean i guess you're happy with that sure but for me you know a big part of playing competitively is really hitting my um you know my skill against the opponent's skill and having that kind of chess game that mental chess game and so when that is take, imagine playing chess against a three-year-old. I mean, there's, that's not going to be very fun if you know that the outcome already. So for me, I'd much rather play a hard, close fought competitive game. Yeah. Um, that's way more fun. And those are the games that I remember the most yeah. versus um, a game where, you know, I roll up to the table and I'm like, okay, I already know how this game's going to end because of maybe how the lists are designed or the scenario. And that's happened, you know, a, a lot of times, especially like the first few rounds of the event um, when you kind of get. You know the random seeds. It's the the Swiss system hasn't really taken taken over yet. Um, you often play those kinds of games, um, and I've also played games where my hardest game was the first game. So hmm. it, you know it's definitely um, it's definitely something that I always look for in a good competitive game is that kind of tension of who's going to win, and you know you want you want the game to feel like it comes down to a few specific instances of like action and a few dice rolls, yeah. and at the end like it's like you know that excitement of. Of the game being back and forth, that for me is like the best games. And some of the closest games I've had have been the ones that come down to like the final dice roll or like the final, you know, combat or or whatever. And I think I think this edition helps though is gonna encourage those types of games because um you know, eighth edition was a lot about the alpha strike. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like with uh and, and you could kind of uh, get a lead early enough that um especially depending on if you're playing say ITC or you know, Nova missions or some of the other mission sets outside of chapter approved, there's definitely scenarios where you can get a big um a big enough lead where, you know, you've won the game by turn three. And um I, so I think now with things like strategic reserves, being able to kind of hide those really key units and um vehicles being a little bit more mobile. Um I think and, and obviously hopefully the train rules, which uh you know I'd love to talk about later, but I, I actually think they're they're not as um like I, I think they could have gone a little bit farther with them as far as like uh, line of sight and stuff. But okay. um, I, I actually think that the game is really going to be like a four turn game. Like the game is really going to start on turn two. Like that's really when the game is going to start in ninth. And whereas in, in eighth, it was really about who got that first turn, who was able to bring in, um, you know, who's able to pick up that big unit of yours first. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of have these more, cl- these closer games. And I think mostly I'm excited to have just the unified mission set. Like, you know, obviously I've played in Adepticon, Nova. I played at, uh, like, I played ETC style games, WTC style games. I played ITC games. I played chapter proof at, at, at many events. And I played custom rules, like uh, like missions where there's totally custom missions. So playing a, a unified rule set, I think, is actually going to be really exciting because we're going to see the meta kind of, like, um, uh, you know, kind of, some like even out a bit yeah. whereas before you had these like certain mission sets where like certain lists were much better and certain lists were much worse right. and now we're going to i think GW is actually going to have a much better um ability to balance the game because like you know a lot of times coming out of LBO or Adepticon they would drop their FAQ and they would do maybe a balance pass but those those weren't necessarily indicative of like how people in the UK were playing it like the games are trap heats or how people were playing narrative games because The mission sets were so different that certain things are favored over others. And now hopefully with that unified set, I think we're going to be able to see uh, a much easier time balancing and you're not going to see certain skew lists kind of take over uh, depending on depending on the missions.
0: Right. Is there anything obvious that you see that is like can be broken? Anything that sticks out?
1: Like as far as the missions, or as far as the just the rule set in general?
0: I guess armies and army builds that they would need to FAQ. Kind of things that yeah. slip, that they would that they didn't intend but could be uh, exploited. Anything? that yeah, sticks I mean,
1: out? I, I think I mean it's hard to say until we see the points. Like you know, I think uh, obviously I think some of the space marine points have leaked, um, but even that we don't even know if those are actually final. Those those they they're like playtest points basically. So even those could see changes uh, in the final final copy, um, you know, and I think ultimately, you know, it'll be interesting to see what's contained in the ninth edition that Grand Tournament book because we could get a whole new set of match play missions that are different than the rule book missions, hmm. um, and those might become the de facto tournament missions. So from a competitive standpoint, you know, it's it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, I do think they definitely need to be careful um, because a lot of the existing books, like Custodes, like Grey Knights were kind of balanced around the fact that they didn't get that many command points. right? Um, and so if they kind of erase that disadvantage but kind of keep everything else the same, I think there's going to be a much, you know, like Custodes have some amazing stratagems, but it was like based around the fact, and, and a lot of them are quite cheap for what they do compared, you know, if you compare them to say other books. Same with Grey Knights and same with like some of these very elite armies. Um, so I think if, if they take that, you know, they're balanced around the fact that these armies are not going to have that many CP. So now that everyone kind of gets the same amount, plus, plus one, so 17 per game minimum, um, I'm hoping that they take that into account when they do the balancing. Because if not, especially with the, the way that, like, so if you think about, like, the 8th was a Horde edition, and this is going to be an MSE edition. So we got Blast rules, mm-hmm. we got the co- new Coherency rules, we got... Um, uh, the kind of all the the weird rules with like charging and multi-charges. So I think hordes have kind of been hit in like multiple areas. Um, and so I could really see uh, the shift going to MSU, going to these elite armies. And because we're still using eighth edition books, I think there's a, a danger there that they, in, in, unless they update those books quite quickly or unless the points compensate for that, which again, we don't know yet. Cause we yeah. haven't seen that. Right. There's a danger that some of those um, elite armies that were kind of balanced around being elite, not having that many CP, but like could end up kind of catapulting to the top um, until their books are rewritten or until, you know, they get, I don't know if we're going to get a chapter approved this year. I, I can't imagine they're going to do another points update in, in six months. That seems a little bit um, weird, but I also don't know if July was actually when they were planning to release ninth edition because from what it sounds like, they had planned to announce an Adepticon and that never happened. Right. So. That would have been a very long adepticons in March, I believe. sort of been March, April, May, June, July. So that would have been a five month announcement. That seems too long because I think most of the editions were usually around thirty to sixty days like yeah. announced before they launched. Yeah. So you know, you know, maybe these like the the GT book and the the points updates were actually like meant to be launched earlier in the year, in which case they would still do a chapter proof. But it would be weird if they dropped like another chapter approved in six months, considering the fact that, lead times on these books are six months. So chapter approved is probably going to the printers like right now. Right. So yeah, it's like, ha, ha, and they haven't even released the first points update. So ha, how would they be able to do another round of points updates for chapter approved? So it just doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of what, what, uh, what they do um, for, uh, for the end of the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very curious thing in the, the world and the state that it's in and how they've adjusted to it and, uh, and what they're doing for it. I think ultimately it's ultimately it's good because it's fun and it's new and it, it's exciting and that, that's how I like to look at it.
1: Um, yeah, and I I actually think um, like you know obviously with the psychic awakening, um, like so I think the first book dropped. It was uh, uh, Blood uh, Blood of the Phoenix. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, I think that was in like September last year. Right. And Pariah had just dropped, so that's about a nine month like gap between the books. Right. And imagine there was no you know rona and we're all playing events for the last nine months then you're gonna see the meta just do this and this right because as every book releases you know one faction goes up factions come down factions go up factions come down and i actually think it was like obviously this sucks that we haven't been able to play but from a gameplay perspective them being able to get out all those books with no one really playing i and then now we're kind of starting fresh everyone kind of at the same place everyone's got their psychic awakening Everyone's got like the new rules. Everyone's going to get new points. It's kind of nice that we all get to kind of start off the fresh foot and we don't have to kind of like, we didn't have to go through like eight months of like seesawing uh, meta changes and balance imbalances and stuff like that. Like um, obviously I wish none of this happened because it's a horrible situation. Um, But um, yeah, so I'm excited about that.
0: It's like a byproduct of what has happened.
1: Yeah. It's and I've I've gotten so much hobbying done, so I'm painting, so I'm I'm super I've been super productive, and it's been great.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see. I'm gonna grab a question here. So Don Huson says, Jim Vessel, I challenge you to a duel, sir. I accept your duel. <laughs> Do you know Don? Is it just? I know. Yeah. I know Don. <laughs> okay. Uh, What's he saying now is a very interesting take. Good observation. It says Confucius. Uh, Hot take. Tournament players have ruined 40k. Oh, okay, that's a can of worms. <clears throat> mm. How so? How, how so? I'm curious. Uh, I, I, it's a completely different aspect of the hobby. I don't know if uh, uh, I, I think it's yeah. just what exists. I guess the
1: question would be like, ruined it for who? Because I mean, they haven't ruined it for themselves, right? So right. yeah. And, uh, you know, the great thing about tournaments is you don't have to play in them. So, you know, you can play narrative (laughs) or open play or any of the, 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 I think that my favorite thing with games workshop, uh, the last few years is the three ways to play. I think that's such a great, great way to kind of present the hobby and present the game and that, you know, there's, there's different aspects of the game that you can enjoy and, you know, there's a bit of something for everyone. And I think, um, you know, I've never been a huge fan of people kind of imposing their kind of play style on others. Like. You know, I know, Dave. Like, you're a really big narrative, and I think that's awesome. And like, I wish I had more friends that in my group that were into that because then I'd have like people to play with, right? Uh, that more narrative, and that people would be interested in that. And you know, that's just not our our play style. But I think it's really great that you know you can get out of the hobby what you want. Yeah, I can get what I want, and then we, there's areas that there's crossover, and we share the hobby and the love of the hobby together. Yeah, um, and then there's you know, I think that's such a great thing, and so. You know, I, I do think it's a hot take. I think it's a bad take. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so.
0: All right. Uh, can Jim, this is from Keith uh, mm-hmm. Togelman. He says, can Jim give us his thoughts on each Demon engine and its use in Ninth edition for Cast Space Marines? Points notwithstanding, of course.
1: Sure. Um, I'll try to be quick with this because obviously there's quite a few. Um, I think the biggest winners out of the specific Demon engines um, are going to be things like, um, like, and I'm specifically talking about Chaos Space Marines. Um, I really love Defilers. I've had a, I've had a, like an un, unnatural and unrational love of Defilers ever since, uh, the original Dawn of War video game came out. And I used to play a Chaos Space Marines in that and just literally build like 30 Defilers and just like blow everything up. And so since that game, this is like, I don't know how long it's been since that game came out. And I played Warhammer before that. So yeah. it's not like that got me into Warhammer, but I remember buying that game and Defilers were so cool in it. They were so awesome, you could just shoot battle cannons from the back of your lines. And so I've always had this like weird, irrational love of Defilers. Hey, that's um, a good life I really... choice.
0: I agree with this life choice, Jim.
1: Yeah, so I love Defilers. And um, my only complaint about the Defiler is I wish I wish there was a base size or a base for it because it's mm. such a weird shaped model. And especially with um, like the terrain rules, a lot of them requiring things like seeing through bases and stuff like that, it, it gets a bit cumbersome. So I actually, um, I'm planning to do three, three defilers for my, um, my chaos space greens, um, okay. or my death guard. I think I'm, I'm not sure which ones, but I really like them cause they can now move in. They can do kind of what they're great at, which is move and fire up the field, shoot their battle cannons. They have all these different attacks. Um, I think, I think they're going to be, I think they're the big winners, especially if their points stay fairly similar. Like right now, I think a defiler with like a scourge and an auto is like 144 points. Like it's dirt cheap. Um, so three of those for like less than like 400 like 450 points I, and and they're they're very tough they heal all this kind of stuff so yeah. i think they're awesome um i think the forge fiends and the um uh mauler fiends i think those will really depend on the points they're just barely competitive i think like they just were just underneath being like like competitive but i think they're awesome models and i really hope again they're going to benefit immensely from those rules especially if you can throw a lord discordant in there to give them all plus one to hit I think that's going to be really strong as well. So I'm excited to run three Defilers and a Lord Discordant and like a little like kind of crab, crab spider uh, army. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Um, <laughs> and then I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Heldrakes. They've kind of been um, in like uh, the corner being punished ever since like six, I think like sixth and seventh edition when they're like OP yeah. and they've kind of been like nerfed, <laughs> nerfed and kind of been told like, okay, you need to sit out an edition or two because yeah. you guys were too good at just terrorizing all the tables. So, yeah. I'm interested to see um, kind of what happens with those. but um, again, they're gonna benefit from a lot of the rules, like the being able to fire into combat, being able to move without penalty because the demon engines all have terrible, they're all bs four. So in the past, like if you move them, which you wanted to because they could fight, they're all hitting on fives. and then with the penalties to hit, they're hitting on sixes. yeah. like so if you shoot anything, they're hitting on sixes. and now they're never hitting worse than a, a, a five. Even yeah. if something has minus one to hit, right. so I think I think they're gonna um, they're gonna benefit the most. Um, so I'm really excited to play those demon engines. I think um, I think that's what makes Chaos Space Marines really differentiates them from Space Marines. Yeah, um, is those demon engines, and I think uh, right now, like you know, you hear a lot of Chaos uh, Chaos players complaining that like Chaos uh, Space Marines get everything but better. But like if our demon engines really come into their own, I think that's going to be like the really cool. Um, differentiating factor for chaos basement so i'm excited to i'm excited to see the points like that's the, the thing i'm waiting on right now because that's when like all the scheming starts to happen and all the gears start to turn and um yeah i'm trying to clear my paint table right now so that as soon as the points drop i can like go buy out whatever i need to and start painting
0: so would you do that uh, that be your loadout you'd be reaper auto cannon battle cannon of course and a power scourge would you i mean do... i've
1: always like to keep them cheap okay um, do you, have a combi um...
0: you would put a combi flamer on them?
1: Yeah, again, I, I don't know what the points are. Um, I guess I like the the uh, Reaper. I think they come with a Stormbolter that you can replace, or Combi Bolter. Sorry, that you can give them. Um, I like the Reaper Auto Cannon because it gives them a little bit of extra shooting. Yeah. Um, and it's it's always been cheaper than the uh, the Flamer option, uh, from what I recall. Um, but I definitely like the Scourge because it it it, buffs, it juices up their attacks quite a bit, and yeah. they're they're pretty nasty with like. They have like four or five attacks base uh, and then they have another three or four attacks from the Scourge. Like they can pick up vehicles really quickly in combat, um, yeah. especially with demon forge for one CP getting full rerolls. Hits oh, yeah. And moon. yeah. Like that's it's huge. gross. That's
0: huge. Yeah.
1: Plus, so I, my, my, one, my one wish is that they got Legion traits. Like I really hope. Yeah. Uh, my big disappointment with the Chaos Space Marine re- quote unquote re- re- rewrite was uh, none of them got de- uh, Legion traits. And I think, um, you know, like, not to say that they would benefit, because most of the Chaos based religion legion traits aren't great. But um, you know, being able to ignore cover as a defiler, if you're an Iron Warriors, or like being able to be minus one. I mean, obviously the Word Bearers one is kind of useless; they get a reroll leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think that's that's actually gotten so much better in the new edition because you can't use CP for morale anymore, right? And Insane bravery is one is one use only, right? So so that that trait, which was kind of trash before. actually gotten um, a lot better I think I think we're gonna see um, a a lot more benefit from from an ability like that um, in in ninth edition so could see some more word bearers as well why word bears well for that trait is what I'm saying because they have that one of the worst traits I think it was I think it's basically they got to just reroll their morale tests
0: oh yeah Um, yeah 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 yeah. and
1: now with with um, with uh, you can't use CP to reroll morale anymore uh, and, and Insane Bravery is one 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 use only per game. Right. So that reroll of morale, it could be uh, more, it's it's definitely more important now. Um, yeah, and I, for sure. I think we're going to see it uh, a little bit more, hopefully.
0: I like that. I actually like that a lot, uh, how that has changed. Because before it's like, okay, uh, but it could only be one unit anyway, right? Because it's one stratagem per phase anyway, before. But now you could do it multiple times, or before you could do it yeah. multiple times. But I suppose if it's only once per game, it's like, okay this is the unit that has to not fail.
1: Well, yeah. And I think, um, that, I mean, I think the whole command command rule change is such a huge change. Like if you look at something like Vect or some of those really like, like look at something like the Gilliman's get back up or a Knight get back up the going from one in six chance to one in 36 really skewed the math before. So like before to fail Vect, you, it's one in six, uh, both the CP rules one in 36 right? So now it's back to one to six. So like the, the odds change, like going from one in 36 to one in six, that's like a huge change in in the odds of success. And we're going to see a lot of things like that where, um, the odds of success are, um, are definitely changed. So
0: I like how they've clearly defined the things that you can reroll. That's a, that's a nice thing too. It's it's, it's pretty clear. It's easy. There's no, no room for argument. Uh, you gotta wonder how they came up with that. What if it's just a ton of feedback?
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like um I think I read the article uh, uh, I can't remember what I was reading, but basically, I think a lot of those strats, those like four plus to get back up, uh three plus you know to do something really strong, were really balanced around the fact that like you had that one chance to do it um, and now you can't do that anymore. so um, you know, I think I think like those to use that strat it's less it's less of a no brainer you know like you're yeah. cuz with a reroll before you're like okay the odds of it happening are very good so it was almost like always worth it to do it but now it's like okay well do i really want to spend that 2 cp or 3 cp to get back up on my night if there's a 50% chance it doesn't actually work
0: right so here's a question from Anthony uh breed he says, "How has ninth edition affected the battle tactics when the new stipulation doesn't allow a stat to be greater or negative beyond one?"
1: Well, I think it definitely changes a lot of lists. Um, I think like things like the minus four to hit Lord Discordon are gone. Uh, Alotok, I think we're going to see that kind of shift away. Like Eldar, everyone played Alitok. uh I don't even know if that's how you say it because that's how. Um, that was just such a good thing. And now even like Alpha Legion was such a dominant, it was like basically the best Chaos Space Marine. And yeah. now it's like, I think if people have minuses, like you're going to move your heavy weapon foot troops more because you don't care. Like yeah. you kind of kind of negates that. Right.
2: Um,
1: and I think it really, uh, you know, n- not being able to hit something is like such a feel bad or hitting on sixes is such a feel bad like mechanic. Um, so I actually really like it that they've they've capped it. I just hope that, they rebalance some of those um like those units or tactics around the fact that um like they're going to be a lot easier to kill. I think this edition things are going to die a lot more because there's going to be much much less minus a hit vehicle shooting in combat. Uh no more tripointing like shooting is really going to kind of jack up um, a lot of units. Yeah. Um so I I think definitely we're going to see a lot more um you know units die pretty quick. So that was, that was one of the biggest survival mechanics was minus to hit, especially things like lightning fast reflexes.
0: What are your thoughts on the new, the changes to morale and how that works now?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is um, I like it. it. It kind of feels like it, like in certain situations a lot better and in certain situations a lot worse. So I think for certain things like, um, like cultists before, like if you had 30 cultists, and someone killed 10 of them, you're going to lose another, like, 15 cultists, basically. Yeah. And now, or, like, so their are leadership six usually, so you're going to lose, like, eight to nine more cultists, maybe. Mm-hmm. And now you might only lose, like, three. So I think for those larger units, it's nice. Um, and I think for the smaller units, it hasn't really changed. Like, um, like, so for Marines, if you kill, say, two Marines out of a squad of 10, and you fail by... You say you fail your test. You roll like a six and then another six, for instance, because they have they shall know no fear.
2: Yeah,
1: you're going to lose probably a minimum of two models. Well, you lose the one automatic, and then you roll again for the rest of the unit seven more dice. That's right. If you lose like two models, so and maybe more if you if you have if you have bad rolls. So I think for certain elites, um we're going to see like I think for mid level units, it really causes it makes it a bit more effective. For larger units, it makes it uh, less, less impactful, effective. and then for yeah. small units, it almost doesn't change at all. Because when you have like five-man units, basically they are basically immune to morale, anyways.
0: So yeah, yeah, that's what we have found with our games. Uh, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. The bigger units they stay more; the smaller units they go more. And it's almost like it's, yeah. a, it's a better balancing. It's interesting. Uh, I'm liking it so far. I haven't found that it's. Uh, I, I dislike it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, a nice change.
1: And I think um, I think the biggest... It was a little bit of a weird change for me because they were like, hey, we want to reduce so many dice rolls, so we're going to make Overwatch one time only, but then we're going to make morale like, okay, now you got to roll dice for every model. Like It was almost like, weren't <laughs> you guys... Did you guys just say you want to have less dice rolls and now you guys have not double the amount of dice rolls for morale? So, uh, so it'll be interesting. And I'm really hoping that um, out of out of that emerges a bit more, um, like it, it kind of devalues some of the leadership debuffs because, um, like before, the more you debuff leadership, the more models they would lose. More you would lose, yeah. and now it's like you just want to you just want to debuff them enough to fail the test, yeah. And then anything past that is kind of wasted. So right. you know you don't need like minus six minus seven leadership. It's just you know minus two or minus three is enough, is enough. to get them to fail that initial test and then the kind of the job is done. Whereas before you tried to stack like minus seven, minus eight, you know, in some cases as possible, especially with chaos, like night Lords and some of the other um, like units, you could definitely do that kind of stuff, so.
0: Yeah. Crush on land raiders too. So what are your thoughts on land raiders?
1: Man, I remember uh, when the new plastic, like the current plastic land raider came out. Uh, So I played, uh, I started playing like uh 40k again in eighth, but I actually played third edition 40k and the plastic land raider as it currently is came out uh in third edition. Okay. And I remember buying a Chaos Space Marine Land Raider and I had the the uh the White Dwarf had the poster. Uh like there was like a Land Raider like basically like schematics mm-hmm. and I had that up in my room because I was like, this is the coolest model. And the the Chaos Land Raider was like my first big like chaos tank. So I've always loved the Land Raider. I've always thought it was like such a cool model like such a cool history it's such an iconic 40k vehicle um i'm really hoping that um it sees kind of it's like it kind of comes back because i always thought like you know they were great in like earlier editions especially with um like when they're armor 14 all around and you could like you just mow them up the field last cannon's just gunning everything down so i'm really hoping you know they've they've kind of faded away in the, in the coolness because they don't have a uh, hover technology or like hmm. uh, primaris, you know, jank. But, um, I'm really hoping that, um, they kind of, they get enough of a points drop, um, that they see, um, you know, see a bit of a reemergence. I would love it if they got some sort of assault rule, like almost like the impulsor does where you could move and then, cause they have that assault ramp. So like, for me, it's like the whole point of the assault ramp is like they can assault so it'd be really cool if they had a rule where it was like, you can move the land reader, then disembark. Uh, that would make them, that would instantly yeah, change. instantly, instantly. Instantly, right? Yeah. So like, seeing Berserkers something like all day that, long. you know, like seeing yeah. something like that, or even if they could move, disembark, maybe maybe you have a similar rule to the Impulsor where maybe you can't shoot, or maybe you can't assault, um, but you can shoot, or maybe you can't shoot, but you can assault one or the other. Right. Something where it just, it just becomes this kind of unique, iconic thing that has a very cool... Uh, ability like that would instantly make it like such a I think we'd see them again and that would be really exciting yeah. um, it's, such a, it's such a iconic like 40k model it's like for me if I had to pick between the Lehman Ross and the Land Raiders like the iconic 40k tank Land Raider all the way
0: yeah that would win for sure uh, FatDroid13 asks so am I reading the rules wrong or are Red Corsairs able to start the game with around 17 CP on turn 1
1: well I think um I think it's kind of hard to make those claims. Like they're, they're, they've, they've said they're going to be day one FAQs for all the books. Um, they've already shown how things like the night. So if you looked at the Knight uh, Warhammer community page, they already showed how they've changed, how uh, like they showed the FA, kind of essentially the FAQ for nights. how they've essentially errated it for how um, CP is generated. So I would imagine Red Corsairs are going to get a similar errata. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, go too crazy uh, thinking, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like you can't, you can't really like go too far with list building and and even the games that people are playing right now with like 8th edition, essentially 8th edition books and rules, but with 9th edition rule book, uh, they're not quite the same because we could see all sorts of changes in that day one FAQ, uh, especially points, but there could be all sorts of other changes like army composition, um, like Red Corsairs is a really interesting one, but if it does become the case that red Corsairs do get, uh, some sort of benefit where they're going to be able to generate extra CP. Um, cause right now, like, say if you took a battalion of red courses with your warlord in it, um, it would be free, but everyone gets that. Yeah. So maybe you get three command points for doing that. I think all of a sudden you're going to see a lot more red Corsairs. So, you know, I, I could see some sort of situation where they actually generate extra CP and if that's the case, um, what that allows is you can take like a red courses battalion and then take another battalion for essentially free because they kind of cancel out which i think could be really really powerful as well so i'm interested to see kind of how how the faq uh how the faq kind of shakes out and you know as i said like there's a lot of theory hammer going on there's a lot of like people trying to you know it's it's a bit frustrating especially uh, someone that plays competitively seeing all the kind of dishonest actors and kind of dishonest takes on the rules right now. People are trying to break the rules. The edition isn't even out. Like it's not out for another two weeks. And there's a lot of like kind of like those kinds of players that you know they're trying to kind of read the rules in a way that's like the most like uh like un unlike uh like the worst take. Like how can I read this rule? So it's like the worst interpretation of it for the the most advantage that right. anyone with any common sense or any sort of like like you know, any TO or any, like, even just event person would be like, no, that's absolutely not how it works. You're just, you know, you're, you're reading it. So I've been seeing a lot of that right now in some of the competitive circles. And it's really like, it's really frustrating because a lot of those things, we know that they're going to not, they're not going to last. And, you know, they're not intuitive. They don't make sense. And um, I just, I hate that kind of bad faith, those bad faith arguments. Um, So I'm really hoping, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, we see the uh, FAQs fairly soon. Like, I'm hoping we. I know they said the app is going to be out mm-hmm. on uh, on pre-order day. That's like in four days, and we haven't heard anything about it. So I'm a little bit skeptical if like this app even exists. Because they were like, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go live with like all the rules and all the detachments on on the day that the edition goes on pre-order. And they're like, we'll reveal more as it gets closer. I'm like, guys, like it's uh it's like pre-orders in three days. Like we haven't heard a single peep about the app. So I'm a little bit. Uh, skeptical like, because <laughs> i remember like two years ago at adepticon they're like yeah we're developing a 40k app and i think at the time everyone thought it was going to be for eighth edition right and two years later like every every development uh, developer um like uh preview people were like hey where's that app you guys talked about and they're like oh yeah we're still working on it <laughs> and now they're like oh yeah it's gonna be ninth edition so it's almost like a vaporware at this point um <laughs> and they haven't shown anything except like the icon so i'm a little bit skeptical uh, if if we get that app on this Saturday, and also if we get the FAQs on this Saturday, because if we get all that on Saturday, I'm gonna be I'm not even gonna I'm gonna just lock myself in my room and just like be like gooping out on this like all weekend. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm right with you there, with with the hope that that happens. Uh, K Zoe one says uh, as a slanesh player, just wanted to get the opinion on noise marines in ninth with their beastmaster and the ignoring cover guns.
1: The blastmaster, I think it's the blastmaster. Um, so it's kind of weird. So the cover, so like one of the big things, especially if you played, uh, like say maybe ITC where bottom floor block line of sight, um, one of the biggest mechanics, and I think, I think people aren't really thinking about this as much as uh, they should be. And and I know they've mentioned a few of the, the ninth edition battle reports, but now in order to kind of hide behind a piece of terrain, for instance, you can't actually be in it because as soon as you step your toe into the cover, uh, if there's any like holes where you can draw a line of sight, you can see the unit. So now you want to be actually like physically on the other side. So a yeah. lot of um, the terrain, you know, you often heard in 8th edition, I'm toe in. So I'm, like my toe yeah. is just inside the cover. Yeah. And now it's like my toe, I, you're going to be toe out. So like I'm <laughs> just like point 0.1 outside on the other side of that train piece so that because it's obscuring, assuming it is, yeah. you can't actually see through it. So, and if you're on the other side, which I think a lot of units are going to be, you're not actually getting cover. So what I think it will do is, um, I think it'll, like, I think a lot of people are going to try to play almost where they're on the other sides of these kinds of units, uh these pieces of train, rather than in it, which I actually don't love. Like, I it kind of feels counterintuitive that, like, units don't want to go inside the cover because that stops the obscuring rules. So, like, it's right. kind of, uh, that's kind of what I was mentioning earlier when I was like, there's some weird things with the train rules, which I don't know if um, I don't know if I love. Like I, I kind of feel like I want them to encourage people going into into train. And right now it actually like removes the, it like makes you more visible. And I'd much rather be invisible than take my cover save. Like, you know what I mean? That's much <laughs> being invisible is much more protective than having a cover save. So yeah. I think there could be a lot of situations. You know, obviously if there's if there's objectives and stuff like that, you know, you, you do what you gotta do, but I think in general, ignore cover is not going to be as important um, just because of the fact that um, things are going to be kind of on the other side of terrain um, rather than in the train, like unless obviously they need to go get an objective. Right. But I think especially early turns, people are going to be trying to kind of stay on the other side of buildings kind of so that you can't kind of see through them. I think that's, that's going to be like the way that um, you move around the table. And then when you're ready to kind of pounce, then you kind of enter the train and go, go for what you need to do. Um, but yeah, that's, so it's gonna be interesting. So, I mean, I'm secretly really hoping for Emperor's Children and my Fulgrim, and that whole range. Like, you know, it's coming at some point because, um, you know, they, they did the little noise Marine. Everyone went crazy. Fabius Bile came out. Everyone went crazy. I mean, those are both Emperor's Children. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they're kind of laying the, the, the breadcrumbs here, but uh, I'd love a Emperor's Children release. Um, so.
0: Yeah, I, I would certainly like uh, a release too for chaos, uh, you know, a corn release, maybe a world Eaters or a corn demonkin or mm-hmm. something corn. Uh, I think that would be
1: Yeah. I really like that fantastic. old Demonkin book and, and I, uh, I'm, I'm just,
0: I uh, it's painful that it doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah. And, the tri- and that is like how I view chaos like that's how I feel like chaos should be played. Like you have 100%. like cult troops and then cult demons and like that's like and like machines and robots and stuff. Like that for me is like when I think about chaos, that's what I think about. So yeah. and Corn Demonkin really like was that embodied. Oh yeah. Um
0: you were so. rewarded for charging forward and killing stuff and dying.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was fantastic. That was definitely by far my favorite. Followed up by Trader Legions, which lasted for like 10 months and then disappeared into the ether.
1: Yeah, I think um well even like I think uh like the I mean that happens at the end of every edition. Like uh I remember Fantasy they had those end times books uh and it was like Oh, yeah, like here's buy all these like rule books. And then, like, six months later, I was like, okay, hey, your game doesn't exist. Cool. So, I mean, that's pretty typical for GW to like release a bunch of like supplements and rule books and then totally invalidate them. But I mean, it is what it is. I, have,
0: you heard I have, rumors? But- have you heard rumors flo- floating around about uh, Psychic Awakening and how, you know, we just got War of the Spider, right? And Fabius Bile is like, oh, awesome, cool, movement strength buffs. Uh, and then new edition hits and it's like, oh, wait, hold on, all invalid now. I've heard. Have you heard? Like, I don't know if they're legit rumors. Obviously, they're just rumors and people being like uh, unnecessarily scared. Uh, not necessarily without cause, because precedent has been set. But I just think that's curious. I don't think they're going to invalidate those. I think those still be good. No,
1: I mean, I mean, they said they were all written for ninth edition. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly true because some, some, like the fact that they're already FAQing a lot of the stuff means that they probably weren't written for ninth edition. Um, I, I mean, I think some of the later Psychic Awakening books were. And it's kind of curious, like it it was it was really weird. Like the whole Psychic Awakening really went out with a bit of a like a like a lame ending. Like Pariah is probably the worst, like obviously from a story standpoint, it kind of wraps up the story. Yeah. But like no real rules for anyone. We right. got a few random characters. Yeah. Like you thought that you think like the, the ultimate ending to Psychic Awakening would have like the coolest, awesome stuff. And literally it had like five characters in it and uh i think i think there's like maybe assassins or something i can't even remember what's in it but there's no real, real there's like, inquisitor
0: rules and, yeah
1: which i which uh, you know i have a bunch of metal inquisitors from 3rd edition when the codex demon hunters uh i don't know if you remember the codex demon hunters in third, which is super yeah. cool yeah. and i always love the fluff how the different um ordos had like like in the i think they retconned it but like before like sisters used to be like ordo uh xenos i think and then like grey knights were ordo Malleus, and then um i think uh the death uh sorry sorry the um death what are they called death company no the uh death watch they death were watch. sorry they were order xenos and then malleus was the gray knights and then hereticus was the sisters like sisters, they yeah. each one had this like arm yeah. and i love that codex demon hunter some of the models like the old metal um inquisitors were so cool so i have a bunch of those old metal acolytes and like little henchmen and stuff i think i'm gonna like strip them and repaint them for my uh my i have a soul drinkers 40k space marine army that i've been working on for for eight months nice so i'm really excited to do a bunch of like cool henchmen assassins that kind of stuff and then now that they don't break uh things like doctrines i think it'll be we'll hopefully see them a lot more but i always thought inquisitors were such a cool part of the lore um and uh, i'm hoping that they're going to see a lot more play now my favorite my favorite books by far are still the eisenhorn trilogy and the Mm -hmm. ravener trilogy those are like I, 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 just reread or uh, reread, I relistened, sorry, to the audiobooks. Uh, I have the original paperbacks, but I, I bought the audiobooks from audible yeah. and I listened to those all painting. And like, to this day, still like 20 years later, they still hold up. Dan Abnett is like, like writes the best 40 K for sure.
0: We have a question here from miss wub mm-hmm. What is Jim's favorite unit that he has never had competitive success with? What unit does he wish was competitive, but just isn't quite there?
1: So, I mean, I think with 8th edition, my favorite unit, I had a Lord of... I, I, my, one of my first things um, I bought was a Lord of Change. when they. I think they dropped the new model right at the start of 8th edition. And this was before I really understood, like, army building in 8th. Like, I was like, Zinch, cool, let's buy it. So I bought a Lord of Change, and I played it a few times with my Thousand Sons. And it just always just got blown off the table, like, in two turns. So that was... And it, and I, I spent so much time painting it, like, I... I literally like it's probably one of the best models i painted even this is like still three years later it's still i put like probably like 70 80 hours into it um painted like each little feather um like the like like you could see each little striation on the feathers uh, spent so long on it like was so proud of it when it was finished and um i played it in one gate one or two games ever competitively it just because they just always die so with the new exalted demon rules um, I was excited but then they're like oh yeah by the way you can't soup now so not as <laughs> excited so I'm like okay well how do i how do I fit this in a list um, and that was actually one of the things that I actually uh, I'm excited to play word bearers is because I think uh, a good way to be able to bring demons in is to summon them so you can kind of uh, get around a lot of the um, detachment rules and I think uh, word bearers have the best summoning so being able to kind of put in a word bearer's patrol and then summon in demons through the word bearers, I think that's going to be actually a really cool angle that um, I want to kind of explore a little bit. Interesting. Um, now that like it's not as easy to, to add a bunch of demons to your list.
0: Right. But you could do that and it's still kosher. For sure. So Kung Fu so Sidious. order <laughs> They say, okay, so here's a question from YouTube. Last edition was very shooty. Do you think this edition will be more or less shooty?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's gonna be more shooty. More um, shooty. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think it'll be shooty. It's not gonna be as alpha alpha strike shooty. So I think there's gonna be more opportunities to not get shot off turn one. Mm-hmm. But I still think shooting is is gonna be the dominant method, especially given all the like close combat. I know I, I think they they tried to say like oh it's close combat edition, but the changes to fallback, um, the changes to like being able to like not try point basically, the changes to coherency. The changes to charging, where you can't multi-charge, you have to hit every target. Yeah. Um, that's really gonna like one of the the biggest strategies in eighth was taking a unit, say ten berserkers, uh, charging two or three things, hitting one, fighting, fighting again, killing the other. Now that's like so hard because you got to keep them really tight. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get to multiple targets if you fail one of them, you fail both. Yeah. Also, things like the command reroll, um, not being able to reroll one of the dice, you got to reroll both, means that. Uh, Coming out of deep strike is charging out of deep strike is actually going to be a lot harder because previously you know you'd roll that two d six and if as long as one was like a four or five you had a pretty good chance of rerolling the other one and getting um, that like nine plus yeah but now it's like you have, because you have to reroll both you have to you're you're trying to get a nine on a, like a straight die roll yeah and and that's definitely like a lot harder than if you could reroll one dice yeah so now obviously there's times where you'd roll like snake eyes. So I think someone did the math and it actually isn't that much different statistically. I think uh, for 2d6 charges, you end up in a situation where um like to make like a nine inch charge, it has it is isn't that much difference, but it is enough of a difference. Um so I definitely think it's gonna be a shooting addition. Um, especially things but we'll see, right? Like it you know, if they if they point shooting units very expensive and combat units much cheaper, then we could see a situation where yeah, shooting is more powerful, but there's more combat units in the game. Um, ultimately, though, I think every addition, is the key is to have a kind of a mixed force. So yeah. some elements of shooting, some like I think I think you're going to see sixty percent, seventy percent shooting. Every, I mean, everything in forty k has a gun, so it's always going to be a shooting game. There's very few units that don't have at least like a gun or a grenade. Um, but I definitely could see. Uh, I still think you want some close combat elements, especially if you need to kind of. Um, you know, to play a balanced list, yeah. but I definitely feel like shooting, especially being able to outflank stuff and kind of pop up and blow things away from the board edge. Um, I think that's going to definitely be, um, you know, the strength of this edition. Do you
0: agree with people saying that the ninth edition has become a gunline castle edition?
1: Uh, no. And the reason I don't is because if you look at the mission set, almost all of them require you being in the middle of the board. So there, you know, in, um, like if you look at an ITC mission set, one of the biggest things was you had kill secondaries. So you could sit there, you could get Reaper, you could get like, a, there's, there's basically secondary missions that were based around killing. And then there's, and then the primary objective was kill one, kill more. So just based on the secondary missions of killing, and then the primary missions of kill one, kill more, you could basically just, and then you could just hold one objective in your, in your deployment zone and get hold one. So in the tournament setting, you could basically create that castle, not move much, and, and rack up points throughout the game, and still win the game. In this edition, you need to be in the middle of the board. There's there's no killing secondaries whatsoever. So none of the secondaries are based on killing stuff, no. which means it's really about getting places, holding things, uh, you surviving. know, activating, doing actions on objectives, surviving. Yeah. And I think if you want to sit in your deployment zone, great. I'm going to take the middle of the board. I'm going to hold objectives. I'm going to put my flag down. I'm going to cast my psychic powers, get my, my points, and you can blow away my whole army. But if by turn three, I've done all that, uh, I, you know, I've racked up a, a bunch of points, and now, say, turn four, turn five, you're starting to move up, it's too late for you. So I definitely don't think it's going to be a castle edition. I think mobile shooting is going to be very good. So things like uh, vehicles, I think we're going to see a lot of things like dreadnoughts, things mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I think, obviously, Eldar vehicles with like their speed are going to still be very good. I think things like, um, uh, especially things I can like scout and... Uh, Deny deep strike are going to be very good. Yeah. Uh, fly is still very good. People are like, oh, fly is, fly is useless. Fly is still very good. The speed and the fact that you can jump over terrain, um, that's and and that's incredible. Like, and you can jump back behind things. Like, fly is still an incredible keyword. I think it was too good before. Um, so I definitely think this is going to be an addition of MSU mobile like gun platforms and then resilience, like hmm. holding things, being able to stay alive. Um, you can't just go throw ten cultists on an objective. And just because now points are scored at the start of your turn, yeah. So you have they, they have to survive a whole turn on that objective. That's right. And if you have ten cultists there, guess where your opponent's going to shoot? They're going to shoot those ten cultists. So I, I definitely feel like it'll still be a shooting-heavy edition, but not a castle edition. I think I think mobile mobile shooting things like Tau are going to be really strong ad like especially with all the updates they like on with Awakening, I think they're going to be very good, very good lists.
0: So here we got a comment here from Vigo the Carpathian. I'm a Night Lords player who uses Marines and Raptors as the base of my army. Am I doomed to mediocrity in ninth, like I was to eighth?
1: So I, again, it's hard to say. I think, I think actually like, um, things like Raptors being able to kind of natural deep strike, um, especially with the, uh, if you, if you can do the vigilus, um, the Vigilist formation, which is still valid. Uh, the, um, I forget what it's called, uh, the host Reptorial. So it lets them get extra movement out of Deep Strike, lets them get extra um, uh, stratagems out of Deep Strike. I think that's actually more powerful now, because remember, um, charging out of Deep Strike is a lot harder now. So yeah. you you don't, because you, you don't get to reroll one a dice. So getting plus two out of your Deep Strike charge, I think is really strong. Um, things like being able to hold things, so they have a, a stratagem where you can hold things in combat. So with the ability where you can't try point anymore, any sort of ability that prevents fallback got a lot stronger as well, right? So I actually think they're going to have a, a lot more play and um I definitely feel like if, if the points are right, if the points are balanced correctly, I definitely think the cast Marines are going to be very strong. It's just not going to be a situation of um like you know, where and then the leadership debuffs as well. I think I think there's I think you're going to be able to set up certain plays with those where um you're able to kind of maximize those leadership debuffs a lot better. So I I have hope. I have hope. Um, and they, you know, they got a great um, update in Vigilus as well. Faith and Fury with uh, they—they got some great stratagems. You can create some really gross killy demon princes with some of their uh, relics and stuff. Um, and they get a lot—they got a lot of pluses to hit. So I think I think I think Night Lords are going to have some play, um, especially if you want to just even do like uh, a patrol of them um, to, to bring in those raptors, those flying units. Um, and now you'll be able to have things like demon engines come up with them move up with them and kind of stay stay with the army. So um, I, I think, yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot of different builds um, kind of emerge from the top, so.
0: We got a clarification here, Jim. Uh, somebody says, what does he mean, no killing secondaries? Could you re-explain that just really quick?
1: Sorry, there are killing secondaries. I meant I meant killing primaries. That's, sorry, I meant to say that. Okay. Most uh, of the primaries are, are not, sorry. Uh,
0: I'm really excited about the decreased board sizes too because of all this. I think movement is going to play a huge role. Uh, I agree. I like the board sizes because that just means Berserkers have... Uh, uh, they're, they're closer to the enemy because there's less room for the enemy to move. <laughs> that's that's what I think. That's my filter. How does it benefit Berserkers? That's that's what I think about all rules.
1: Um, yeah. I, I have... Um... I have a, a unit of 10 Berserkers that I converted from uh, Stormcast Eternals that are yes. like, probably one of my favorite. Uh, I mean, from Stormcast? Or, you,
0: you mean the Warriors?
1: No, no, from from Stormcast. I'll have to send you a, a photo of them. But, um, yeah, please do. They're, they're on my Instagram, actually. V uh, underscore uh, paints. Um, but um, I converted them from Stormcast, and then some blood warrior parts and then corn berserker parts they're like probably one of my favorite units that i've converted okay and i've used them like twice
2: yeah
1: um so i'm really excited to kind of get them back on the table because i think berserkers i think i think five man units of berserkers are going to be a thing now um kind of almost like suicide missiles like yes. throw them in yeah. like this kind of you know <laughs> blood for the blood god you know he doesn't care <laughs> where the blood flows so no. if they die fantastic you know they've, they've died for corn and you know, their skulls will get added to the pile, so I'm excited to use those. And I think they're going to be good in all Chaos Space Marine lists. Like, I think having yep. like, uh, and and like, I have a rhino, I'm excited to use a rhino again. Like, I think they're gonna, <laughs> I, think, I think transports are gonna be really big because, um, like, being able to hide models behind transports and being able to hold objectives with transports, yeah, uh, in the middle of the board, like, tough. And people, no one wants to shoot a rhino, no, it's like, okay, it's like, I don't want to, and you know, they're not obviously super hard to hit, kill, but like. They're not easy. Like you have to put a decent amount of anti tank, and so if you have like say berserkers and a rhino on an objective, you know it's going to be hard for players to kill both. Right. So you know
0: what I'm they excited. want to kill. Le- they, what they want to kill less than a rhino is a drop pod. Yeah. <laughs> I actually tried that yesterday because I played with my blood angels, and I brought three drop pods. I haven't brought them since seventh edition, and I just want to try it. Right. I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to bring these in. I'm going to choose line breakers one of my secondaries and uh try to do something going in his back lines and if not i'll just go on the objectives either case is kind of it's, it's a good use of them yeah yeah
1: uh, i wish chaos got drop pods i mean i know we got the crazy forge world one but like
0: no no like a drop pod proper like a, like our own heck a demon engine drop pod would be amazing yeah, yeah
1: that would be that would be really cool just this
0: massive I, mouth
1: what do you um have you seen the kind of the last few rumor engines there was uh there was one that was like a kind of chaos power fist and like the last one was like a chaos like a nurgle looking wing do you think we're going to get another chaos release here uh in the next few months like what are your what are your, what are your kind of thoughts because i i, I kind of feel like there's something coming i just i'm just like but i feel like chaos got so much this year and i can't see them doing a death guard release death guard has one of the biggest coolest ranges like yeah i i have a uh, 20 i think 25 plague greens and each one is a different skull like it's insane
0: yeah no that's absolutely true uh i didn't I, I did not see that rumor engine one but you uh describing it to me makes me happy
1: yeah uh there was one that was like literally like it like i don't know if you remember the old third edition uh power fist with like the the kind of like pointed claws yeah there's like, literally yeah. like that was like the rumor engine and then the the one that they just showed was like it looked like uh it had like the classic chaos tubes with like the the kind of ribbing and then it was like very kind of tattered it looked like it looked like the wings of like a plastic under demon prince like if i had to guess that's what i would guess it as okay so it's and, something uh, that
0: size then it wasn't a chaos rate it wasn't well i mean it's size. always
1: hard to tell how how zoom these are okay but um i'm really hoping that demon uh, Primer. I mean, yeah it's got like it's got like pustules on the wings right so it's like it's like oh it's nurgle something but like what could it be because i just nurgle? i can't imagine them doing yeah it's got like pustules on the wings like it looks nurgle okay and the claw that they showed also look nurgle interesting uh so i'm like what could they be releasing for typhus
0: maybe it's a new well, typhus. Typh-
1: they have a Plastic Typhus.
0: Like a new, new, new. Like a new, new. Like a newer, <laughs> newer.
1: Because um, it's what's, not... I mean, when I, mean, mm-hmm. I think about the characters that still haven't been updated, we got, uh, uh, fa- uh, fa- not Fabius, um, what's his name? Lucius. Oh, no, the Eternal. He's, yeah. he's like basically the only fine cast Chaos character now. And everything else has been redone, right? At this point. And, and uh, Harkin, Harkin. Sorry, not sorry, Harkin now, uh, Huron.
2: Blackheart, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I actually, I just converted up um, a project I'm working on is I want to do like the whole suite of Chaos characters. characters yeah. So I, I I have a Huron that I scratch built from uh, Abaddon. Right. And I just finished scratch building a, a Lucius that I finished painting. Like
0: Abaddon sized Huron is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Cool. Check out my check out my Instagram it's on there. But um, uh, I was really happy with how he turned out because uh, I I want an extra Abaddon and I already have an Abaddon. Yeah. Um, and now I just have to paint up Cipher I think and then I have like the whole the whole kind of I don't know if you remember that old like uh chaos box with like all the different like metal uh it was like Abaddon and like Fabius and like yes. it was like all the different yes. chaos characters in like one box. Very old. But basically I've tried to like recreate that in plastic. Yeah. Uh and so I, I just have a um, cipher to cipher to paint, and then I'll have like kind of this whole like kind of like uh pantheon of like all the cool chaos lords. So I'm very excited. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would be sweet. Uh I don't know. I I the, the guess it's interesting because as much as it, it most likely is a Nurgle thing, could it not pass for just a straight up chaos thing because of the, Oh, for sure. I just mutations I, and growth and whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't think it's necessarily death guard. Um, it could just be like a Nurgle thing or it could just be a chaos thing. Um, anytime I see pustules, I'm usually Nurgle, but I'm just curious, it, you know, it could even be like a Blackstone zone fortress thing. Hmm. Um, like, you know, they, True. they, uh, They've been teased like a lot of those rumor engines ended up being Blackstone Fortress, and I know like they tease like the like the ogre or the ogren. Uh, I really hope they expanded those ranges because I'd love a Trader Guard book. That'd be so awesome.
0: Could be a new Demon Prince model.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I actually have the old third edition metal one, and that's my favorite. <laughs> that's such a cool Demon Prince. the The current one is a little bit goofy looking. He he's very uh, cartoony. He's so.
0: definitely, absolutely, I agree with that. He's he's more.
1: He, he 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 reminds me kind of like the typical like cartoon villain. Like he's got this kind of like evil grin and like holding up his hands, like he's thinking about like what he wants to do. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm on that note. I'm really liking the new models. I'm liking the the scale and the proportions that they're creating the new models. I uh, I think that they're a little bit more breakable, whereas like some of the older ones, it's like okay whatever it's uh, if, if it tips over it's not going to break now there's a lot of little spindly parts uh, but it looks a lot better the aesthetic is there and it looks amazing but the new fabius have, bio, you, it's awesome. have you
1: picked up the new fabius
0: yeah yeah i have them yeah
1: i i um i just finished painting them like last week is like the, the one of the last models i finished painting and literally i remember like trying to clip them out and i'm like please god don't break like just <laughs> like try to be so careful because like the, the like uh theshiji and his little like uh backpack thing has like the smallest little like connections oh that's awesome
0: there's no light yeah
2: mm-hmm. it's hard to
1: see but that's cool
0: um so even just so, yeah, clipping but, them out you're saying even just clipping them out you're like oh yeah I was, like, break.
1: I, was like, I was like nervous because I sometimes I, you clip something and it like snaps um, so I was being extra careful with uh with how I clipped it um and yeah the technology like you know i'm kind of mixed on it because i i really enjoyed the multi-part kits where you kind of do all sorts of stuff with them but obviously that limits the like limits how much they can do creatively with the model as well because you got to kind of have an arm that kind of fits in in multiple ways and a leg that goes in a certain way and yeah um but you know i look at the things like the death guard the death guard range and you know i think as i said there's like 25 different models if they could do that for like every range where there's like 25 kind of bespoke models that'd be really cool and you can still you can still do a lot of conversions but yeah the the model i mean i'm sure you've probably been playing for longer than me but the the games workshop makes the best models in the industry hands down and i agree i agree how with far that. how far they've come
2: yeah I agree. Um, with that
1: the technology is amazing like but it, and it's i think the the funny thing for me is always like i remember when like plastic kits first started kind of becoming very popular, people are always like, oh, like plastic kits cost like hundreds of thousands of pounds, that's why they don't make them, like the molds cost like millions of, you know, British pounds, etc. And now they're like, literally making plastic, like one off kits that like, they sell like, they give away for free. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, it can't be, They, they must have gotten like very efficient at like making plastic molds, and being able to do plastic at this point, because it seems like everything is everything, like even like little clamp pack characters, like nothing, nothing is not plastic anymore. Right. So it, it can't be that expensive relative to like, uh, to, to make a plastic model these days. So, um, it's kind of weird when you see things like, um, like any sort of fine casts that come out. Um, or I think some of the four drilled models that they sculpted were fine cast. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what is it in plastic? <laughs> so,
0: all right. So, uh, We'll do this as a, as a last question here. Uh, sure. So this is coming from Twitch. How rough is it going to be for Tyranids? The new Blast and Coherency rules feel pretty rough.
1: I mean, so I, I don't think it's going to be rough. So if you think about it, they've gotten buffed in some areas and hurt in some areas. So their monsters, all their monsters are going to benefit from being able to shoot in combat, being able to move and fire their heavy weapons without penalty. Um, being able to, uh, fight up floors, which they weren't able to do before. Um, so things like Carnifex's hive tyrants, like all those big, tyranid, cool monsters, um, are going to be a lot better. Obviously you're not going to see armies with like 200 gaunts. And I think what, what I would, and I, I think the nice thing with Tyranids is, um, you can do like, they're basically still immune to morale. So you can still do large units. Um, and or tons of small units, right? Like you can you can do like six 10 man units of gaunts, um, and or six 15 man units. So I think definitely like yeah, they, I think everyone kind of wins some and loses some. Uh, I think overall Tyranids are. I think you're gonna just see a lot of different styles of armies because like, the traditional turn army is forty gene sealers. It's like thirty gaunts, whatever the minimum troop is, and then you got like casters and then like a hive turn maybe and some other things like and hive guard in the back shooting right now i think you're going to see a lot more of the monsters which to be honest like if you're playing tyranids you don't want to play because gaunts are cool you want to play because lictors are cool and carnifexes are cool and like exocreens are cool and Parents are cool like that's why you play tyranids because they have cool they're like alien monsters not because of like these little uh little like tiny guys yeah although it's always funny reading the the fluff because um I can't remember what book it was. I remember reading like a 40 K short story and it's about these guardsmen in like the bushes basically. And you know, they're all there. They keep getting killed. All the guardsmen as they're going through the jungle. And I'm like, Oh, it must be like a lictor or high tyrant killing mall, And it ends up being like a single, like hormigant that just like wipes out the whole squad. Like in the, in the, in the fluff, it's like, they're so scary, but like at the tabletop, you're like, yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: well, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today, Jim.
1: Thanks man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh,
0: so. It- Thank you. We guys. didn't get to
1: talk that much competitive, but that's fine. I'm I'm happy to talk hobby and, and fluff and, and Goob about armorgons. So is there
0: is there actually before we go? Is there any uh, last thoughts that you have on just the uh, uh, competitive stuff in general? If because uh, the majority of the mini wargaming audience is not competitive. Yeah. If there's anything you would want to say to them about competitive, maybe some uh, stigmas, preconceived yeah. ideas to to quell, or sure. What, um, just final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think you know. I think the the two things that I'm most excited about for this edition, uh, the first is the unified mission set. So a lot of the kind of stigma around competitive play has been like, oh, ITC missions, Nova missions, adaptive missions. Like people are thinking like that's a different game, and so you have this kind of divide between maybe people that were playing kind of ITC, and then the rest of the um, the rest of the like kind of more casual population, which didn't like that kind of missions. They didn't want to play those kinds of missions. So my first That I'm most excited about is bringing those communities together, and I hope that through that process, a lot of the stigma and assumptions that competitive players may make about casual players, and vice versa, I I hope we kind of get to play together and all see that you know we're not boogeyman, we're not like bad people. It's not like casuals just don't care about winning, and they just they just want to like you know play you know narrative. Like I really hope that that kind of unified mission means that we all get to kind of play together and that community kind of becomes closer. So that's like the one thing that I'm really looking forward to. And then the second thing is, you know, my, my whole mentality always has been um, like any game I play. Um, I like, I want to win. Like, so if I play Monopoly, I don't, I don't play a game of Monopoly hoping that I don't win. Right. Of course I want to win. Of course. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do anything. I'm not going to cheat. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, Steal money from the bank, which I think a lot of people actually do, Monopoly. But you know, I think I think I think that mentality of like, hey, you play any game, whether it's a board game, Warhammer, or something else, you know, people like to win. So I think hopefully, um, I think for me, the most important thing has always been doing it the right way. And you know, I if I had to play, uh, if I had to choose between playing and painting, I would pick painting, hundred percent. Like interesting. I would. I would, I would never play. If I had to pick, like, even when I stopped playing 40K, I still painted. Like, I love hobby. I love um, I love painting. I love reading the books, like, the lore. I'm so into it. And I really think there's, like, this maybe stigma that, like, oh, if you play competitively, all you care about is, like, playing with gray plastic and beating your opponent over the head. But for, for me, you know, I really approach the hobby kind of as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's certain areas that I like more than others. But I think, uh, you know, if there's anything I can kind of dispel, it's this notion that, like, competitive players or tournament players are like you know one track win at all costs you know i think that's such a toxic uh attitude and approach um just if i thought that all casual players were just like you know mouth breathers and didn't know how to play games and just just wanted to like you know smash their models together like that would be such a bad way to look at non-competitive players and, and i don't and for me what i love about this hobby is being able to uh share it like you know as you said, Dave, like you don't play competitively, we could not be more different, Mm -hmm. but being able to just talk to you about 40 K and share that passion. That for me is like, this is, this for me is like what I love about it. Yeah. More than the game, more than, more than like anything else. It's like, I can share this amazing hobby with someone that has that same love for it. Even if we might play differently on the tabletop. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I hope some of your listeners and people that maybe, um, have, stayed away from tournament or competitive play you know maybe they get hopefully it another shot and uh um hopefully they meet some people like me that can kind of you know shepherd them into it gradually and, and in a way that they feel like hey they actually see why i enjoy it right and and hopefully maybe next time i'm in ontario which i am quite a bit i'll come down and we can play some narrative games and, and you can kind of show me your side of it and, and uh you know well whenever i'm able to fly again because uh it's kind of hard right now that's
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I, I like how you said narrative games because if we play competitively, it'd be like, okay, turn one. All right, good game.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the reason I love games like Necromunda and Mordheim and Blood Bowl is because of well, those are like, those are my favorite GW games because of the narrative elements. Yeah. Because of because of all the stories and like the team and like, you know, I have back backstories from my, my Necromunda gang and all this kind of stuff. Like, I love that aspect of the game. Yeah, um, I just choose to play my 40K Slightly different, but like when it comes to other GW games, I definitely play more narrative. So yeah. I think that's I think that's possible. I I think you can do it all. I think you can have your cake and eat it too when it comes to, to 40k and Games Workshop and, and, and miniature gaming as a whole.
0: I agree. I think there there's exist there can exist a player that kind of enjoys every aspect of mm. the hobby and as you said, kind of does it holistically. And uh, and I think you embody that really well, uh, to be honest. And uh, I think there if there were more competitive players like you that would, the stigma would certainly be yeah, uh, lessened. So I think you're a good representative of the competitive community. Uh, I hope so. And yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, man. It's fun. Thanks, man. Uh, good, appreciate dis- it. good discussion. You're certainly welcome back on the Shrine Time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I
1: was, uh, I'm, I'm, I was uh, really happy that this whole thing is called Shrine of Chaos. I'm like, I feel like I'm at home.
0: <laughs> you're definitely at home, man. All right. Thank you very much guys for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. Uh, Actually, next week I I won't be on. But the week after that, uh, it's Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Happy Wargaming, and we'll see you in the next episode.